Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Second Kings tonight, have your Bible, chapter number 5. And we'll be reading there, take our text from there tonight. I'll say it's a joy to be back with you tonight. Thank you for coming back. That uh, You make the devil a liar. He's told me all day I run everybody off last night. Amen? Uh, but I'm glad that you came anyway. Amen? And I do appreciate you being in the house of the Lord. It's been a good week uh, for us. I really enjoyed uh, the preaching and uh, just being here with you guys. And, and I love each one of you and thank the Lord for you. Second uh, Kings chapter number 5. Uh, find your place standing your feet and we'll read a few verses here uh, this evening. We'll see what the Lord has for us and and uh, if you hadn't been praying it ain't too late. You can start now. Amen. Um, but uh, I hope that you have been and I'm looking forward to service tonight. Already uh, excited and, and uh, uh, just uh, blessed by the singing. Uh, man, you ladies, you always bless my heart every time I hear you sing and I uh, thank you so much for that. But Second Kings chapter number 5 and we'll begin our reading here tonight in verse Number one, the Bible says, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out out of the land of Israel a little maid. She waited on Naaman's wife. She said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. One went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go and... I'll send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. It came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God? to kill and to make alive, that this man does sin unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elijah, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times. Thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and went away, and said, Behold, I, I thought he would surely come out to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand, uh, strike his hand over the place, and recover the leper. Or not abandon far apart, rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May not I wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage and 
His servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then uh, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. He was clean. Now pay close attention. Verse 15. And he returned to the man of God. He and all his company and came and stood before him and he said, Behold, now I know there's no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee take a blessing of thy servant. Father in heaven, we love you. God, sure do thank you, Lord, for this sweet uh, uh, spirit here in this place tonight. God, I, I realize, Lord, there's a lot of men greater than I that could stand here, but God, I'm glad. God, I'm thankful, Lord, uh, Lord, that you've allowed us to be here tonight, Lord, uh, here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church, Lord, uh, with our friend and our pastor, Lord, with our church family, God, that's been so good to us and prayed for us. God, I just can't uh, uh, forget to just continue to sound that out because, God, I know, Lord, we'd be nothing. God, without prayer, Father, and Lord, souls uh, uh, seeking uh, Thee on our behalf. God, and I want to say thank You for that tonight, Father. And I just pray, uh, God, that You'd help us here for just a little bit. Uh, God, that You'd just draw our attention and draw our minds uh, to the Scripture tonight. Lord, just take us, God, uh, to this place tonight and speak to hearts. God, I pray, Lord, for that soul that's here. Uh, God, that ain't saved. They know they ain't saved. God, I pray tonight, Lord, to quit messing around and, and quit playing games. And God, just give themselves to you, God, before it's too late. God, touch that one, Lord, that's backslidden. God, touch that and it ain't walking with you like they ought to. God, help you saints, God, tonight. Encourage each one of them, Father, and help us tonight. We'll go ahead and thank you and praise you for that you do. In Jesus' sweet and wonderful and precious name, we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Amen. I'm not going low gear tonight. And uh, so <laughs> I ripped out high gear last night. Amen. And I, when you ain't got high gear, you just stand the one next to it, right? But y'all just pray for us, and uh, I do appreciate the Lord. And uh, I told one of the brothers at the church here not long ago, and he said, Preacher, we're praying for your voice. And, and uh, he said, Praying that this, uh, <clears throat> this pile and all this stuff uh, get out of here. And I told him, I just looked at him, and I just lovingly as I know the house, if you get right with God, I won't have to shout. He's sitting back there in the back. I didn't say that, did I, Brother Ricky? So, but uh, I love them. Amen. Appreciate our church and appreciate what the Lord's doing on the mountain. Amen. And, and uh, my doctor told me this, and, and uh, I've been several times. Uh, I'm getting the nerves out. Y'all just bear with me. And I've been several times with the doctor, and he he looked at me, Brother Stan, and he said, you know the anointing is not in the shout. I said, oh, really? He's fixing to stick something down my nose. I didn't say another thing, Brother Allen. I know better than that, though. <laughs> hey, man, you get something big as God in you, and you don't shout, there's something wrong with you. Amen. I'm telling you, you study this book right here and the Holy Ghost of God gets to doing something inside of you, friends. Uh, hey, listen, uh, Jeremiah said it very well. He said, my heart has affected mine eye. Amen. Something's going to come out somewhere or another. Amen. I love the Lord. I sure appreciate Him tonight. I want to preach tonight on this thought here out of 2 Kings chapter number 5 on the recipe for 
rejoicing. And I said a little bit last night as we was in the introduction speaking on Psalm 85 and verse number 6 and that, that great verse there as the psalmist pinned down, Amen, wilt thou not revive us again, uh, revive us again, O Lord, that thy people may rejoice in thee. And, and I've just really been hung up on that thought of rejoicing now for a couple of weeks. And, and uh, because you know, I know this, when, when God is working, there's no question about the rejoicing factor. Amen. And you know, that's what we really long for. That's, that's what we're seeking. That's what we desire. Man, that we can just be filled to the brim uh, with God. Amen. And that our rejoicing is real. Amen. And folks see you rejoice. You know, you can't hide pleasantness. You know that. Man, when you're right with God, everybody sees that. And listen, you ain't got to tell somebody where you go to church, amen, not unless you just want them to know the specific place you go because when you're right with God, they'll see that, amen. And that's what we need in this day and time, uh, friends, a people uh, that's different. Uh, uh, the preacher said, I think it was uh, Tuesday night, that uh, talking about there, uh, there in Genesis, uh, uh, there about Hagar and, and Sarah, and he spoke that word, and it's really stuck with me uh, since he said it, but it was unnatural. How God was working in that situation uh, was unnatural. And, and you know, I, I began to ponder on that uh, uh, last night and this morning uh, on my way home and this morning early. And, you know, I began to think about unnatural things. Uncommon things. Maybe even things that's unheard of. And, and you know, I began to uh, ponder on them and the spiritual uh, realm of things that, you know, the, the, the uncommon when you go to church for, for days and days and days because the Spirit of God is so real there that you just don't want to quit going. Hey, man, the uncommon things, uh, uh, listen, of leaving something that you really should be doing in the secular world to go and do something that's for the Lord. I mean, something that's really in, in a, a, a larger uh, realm today, it's unheard of. Because really and truly, tonight these things are, well, let me just go ahead and be honest with you tonight, and I speak for myself tonight too, they're unwanted. We want the rejoicing, <laughs> but too often we don't want what it takes to get to rejoicing. And uh, I realize it very well, friends. I've lived in this thing long enough uh, uh, to know, uh, listen, what it takes. And, and you see the unnatural and the uncommon and maybe the unheard of, uh, friends, uh, that we need today in biblical uh, Christianity, friends. It revolves around our desire, as the psalmist said. Wilt thou not revive us, Lord? Amen. Let us remember, let us repent so we can rejoice in thee. Now, I thought about a few things as I was studying uh, this morning, trying to uh, get my heart and mind in tune with the Spirit of God this morning. But I began to think about Sarah in the Old Testament there, Abram's wife, and how that God promised a seed to them. And not just any seed, but a promised seed. Amen. I'm talking about uh, that seed that would outnumber uh, the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. And he promised it to them, but they had a worldly problem. They was, she was barren. 
Not only that, they was old. It was past uh, the age of that. And, and you know, but, but, but God, He made a way there. I thought about Joseph, who was despised by his brethren. I mean, despised is probably a light term for how they felt about him. Hated him might be a, a better sense. And they sold him in the slavery. And God took what they meant for evil and made it for good for them. I thought about uh, uh, beyond Joseph. I thought about Moses, a man that he, when God told him what he wanted him to do, Moses said, "Well, Lord, I, I can't speak." I remember them days. God's still my heart. I, I try to find every reason in the world. Amen. And God said, "Be with your mouth." Amen. Hey, I put words in it. I'll touch it. Amen. God used him to speak on his behalf. A man that stuttered. A man that was not eloquent in speech. Amen. On that note, Billy Sunday, you know, read much on Billy Sunday. They said that when he entered into the pulpit, the, the, the intellectuals and the dignified cringed when he walked behind the sacred desk because, he, listen, he was so uneloquent in his speech, but he had such a power of God on him. I mean, we could go on and on thinking about it tonight of how God has worked. Think about Gideon. God come to him while he was hiding from the Midianites. And he said, you mighty man of valor. Have you ever just read that and laughed a little bit? God saw something in him and Gideon didn't even know himself, amen. He said, thou mighty man of valor. God had a plan for him. Let me, let me just give you this tonight and we'll move on. That, that word valor. I looked that up. You see it in the text that we read tonight there in 2 Kings chapter 5. It means this, first class people. First class people. It, it carries with it uh, 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 of the spiritual aspect of power and wealth and capability and influence. God saw that and all these people that friends you and I would have just wrote them off. Amen. Hey listen, I want you to understand something. Paul said it best because Paul lived in himself and in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse number 27 Paul says this, but God hath chosen the foolish things of this world. Listen to it now. To confound the wise. He's chosen the weak. The weak Friends, uh, uh, listen, to, uh, to confound the things which are mighty. And I look at this text tonight, friends, and I realize and I'm reminded uh, to how, listen, that you and I can be used of God and we too can experience rejoicing on a level that's out of this world, friends. Now, I just want you to see a few things in the text tonight on the recipe for rejoicing. Now we see a man here in the text by the name of Naaman. Naaman, we understand Naaman was a Syrian there. He was a captain of the host there of the king of Syria. He, uh, he was a, in his person, he was just a, uh, he was, he was a godless person, okay? But I, I will say something here about Naaman just for a minute. Because when you read about Naaman, you don't, right here in this chapter, it's pretty much all you find about Naaman other uh, than Jesus speaks of him in Luke chapter number 4. But, but there is an occurrence of Naaman doing something 
that was honorable to the Lord. In Jewish history, right, that he was that certain man in 1 Kings in 22 that took out Ahab. That wicked king. Amen. That caused Israel so many problems. Amen. And he, he was an honorable man, the Bible says. And I realize that God doesn't just put those words out, amen, to describe people. He puts those words up to define people. Okay? You need to understand that tonight as we read about Naaman here. He done something that was honorable in his person, but we see he's come to a place of high position in his life. And one of the most detrimental things in, in a person's life that I have seen in the ministry is when a world, the world rises a person to a position. I've seen in the pastorate many times people get saved and get in church and, and start living for God and the world offers them another position. They offers them a higher position, something greater, and a little more money, a little more stature and, and uh, maybe it's just one service a week that they'll miss to, to take it. Maybe they can't be there on Wednesday night. And so they say, preacher, what do you think? And I know what I already think before they ever asked me. I know what I think. No, don't do it. But, but if you're better than me, you come and tell somebody that's struggling to pay the bills. You come and tell somebody that's living paycheck to paycheck not to take a position that gives him a little more listen, convenience or a little more comfort in his life. All the while knowing what it's going to do. But if you're so godly, you do it sometimes. And see, I always say this, preacher, I say, put God first. Just put Him first. But you see, Naaman had rose to that position, and in that position, my friends, a problem occurred in his life. Bible says in verse number one that through his person and his position, we see his problem. He was a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Now, you think about it just for a little bit tonight here, this problem that he had. This problem was incurable. There wasn't a fix for this problem. So what Naaman was looking at was not a life of just being isolated because he wasn't a Jew. He, he would hide it as long as he could. Amen? And he would just do what he could do as long as he would do it until it took him to the place that he couldn't do it anymore. And then beyond that, all he had to look for, forward to was dying in his problem. That was it. That's what he had to look forward to. So that position really didn't mean a whole lot now, did it? Amen. His person being honorable, the captain of the host, it really didn't mean a whole lot now because the problem had grew greater than his position. So, I want you to see how God works things out. Look right here in your text tonight in verse number 2. I believe in the sovereignty of God. I believe it's a whosoever will. Amen. 
But I do know this, amen, that the God of heaven, amen, hey, listen, he put me at Greater Vision Baptist Church on October the 14th of 2000 when he knew several days before and eternity before that Jesus was going to pass by that day, amen, and I was going to get gloriously born again. Amen. Amen. Now, just follow with me just for a little bit this evening. Verse number two, we see the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Now, let me just explain something to you. Syria, God was raising Syria to power right here. Because in about a hundred years, they were going to overthrow Israel, Okay. It was coming. Amen. There was prophesying of it. The minor prophets was prophesying of it. In about a hundred years, they was going to be taken captive by the Assyrians. Okay? And they was rising to power. Okay? And it actually, uh, what took place when, uh, what we believe that when Naaman took out Ahab, he released the Syrians. Amen. In doing that, because Ahab, he had great power. But God had a plan. Because Israel was wicked. He was going to raise up one to chastise the nation that he loved so that they would come back to him. God's got a plan. Now, in verse number 2, we see the oppression of the Syrians on God's people before the, the overthrow, before uh, when the Assyrians would come in and uh, overtake Israel. We see they was pressuring them. Uh, they was putting pressure upon them and they was rising to power. Every once in a while they'd just come in and spoil a couple of people. Hey man, just like we're living in today. But we see in the spoiling here, one day they picked up this little maid. Bible says in verse number 2 that, and they brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid and she came back and, and they put her in the service there in the household of Naaman and she became Naaman's wife's maid now I just want to talk to you a little bit about this I had five points but I never got off the first one so we'll just stay right there okay but I want you to see this little maid. Because number one, this little maid, she saw his condition. Now, um, <laughs> Bible says she was little. That's deep. <laughs> Hang on to that right there. In her description, she did not have a long resume like Naaman. She was just one that was taken captive uh, from Israel and she was little. That's all the Bible says about this little maid. But again, being taken captive by the Syrians, let us just talk just a little bit about her being little because she was not at home. Therefore, her estate was little. Well, I think that you and I can hook up with that. So what are you saying, preacher? This world ain't our home. We just are passing through. Amen. Our treasure is laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Ain't somewhere. I know exactly where it's at. Amen. Hey, listen to me, friends. And so her estate was very 
very small. I'm talking about the recipe for rejoicing. Okay? And so, when we look at this little mate, number one, we see her estate. But number two, I want you to see, being in a godless society, we probably could say of a truth that her influence at this point was little. You know, I think sometimes we let that wear us out and get us down sometimes. And, and again, this is just from the outside looking in from the flesh, but... But do you know that that's where God does the greatest work in you? That's where God molds you. And that's where God makes you. That's where God makes you able to do His will. You remember what John the Baptist said when Jesus came on the scene? In John 3 and 30, the Bible says, He must increase, amen, but I must decrease. And John said, hey, He's got to get bigger. And for Him to do that, I've got to get littler, amen. Hey, friends, if you want Him to get bigger in your life, just get little, amen. Just get little, amen. And we see that this little maid was little, but we think in the Scriptures tonight and we see how God's done such great works with just a little. Amen? <laughs> think about this tonight, that little lad's lunch. Two old pickled fish and five barley loaves. And Philip said, what are they among so many? Philip was a Baptist. He was probably a deacon. Amen. Probably the chairman of the deacons. And he was head of the finance committee. Somebody say amen right there. But he said, what are they among so many? And Jesus, in his reply to that, he said, make the men sit down. Amen. Because they're fixing to eat. And they're going to eat well. Amen. Off of a little bit. I thought about the widow's might. Amen. When she brought that to the treasury. Hey, and have you ever studied that and found out the treasury that she put all she had into was for the poor? Let well, help you want it. Amen. That she took what little she had and Jesus recognized it more than if a millionaire would have brought, listen, half of his million and put it in there. Jesus said she's put in all she has. Amen. But let me give you one more in the book of Mark. Book of Mark chapter number four. And I want you to just see this. And I'm not just trying to ramble tonight, but listen, I'm talking about little things that God makes much of. Look at your Bible in verse number 30. Jesus gives us a parable. Friends, here He says, and He said, Mark 4 and 30, He said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? Now, we ain't talking about lunch, and we ain't talking about taking up an offering. We are talking about the kingdom of God right now. We are talking about God's authority in your life to do with you what He will. He said it's like a grain of mustard seed. One old preacher said he was a, he was a farmer, Brother Eddie, and he said everybody knows that a backer seed's littler than a mustard seed. Amen. But he was just trying to get everybody's attention. Some of you don't know how little a backer seed is, do you? I can tell by the way you're looking at me. But he said it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. Do you know that when the 
The kingdom of God is sown in your heart at the moment that you get saved, that everything is still bigger than that at the moment it's sown. That's what He said in the Scriptures. That's why it's so easy and listen to get back out in the world and get carnal on God because you don't let it grow. Amen. He said when it's sown, it's little, but when it's grown, look at what He says about when it's grown. He said when it's sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all the herbs. Shooteth out great branches, the fowls of the air lodge under and the shadow of it. Think about that just for a minute. That's the kingdom of God. That's the authority, friends, that that God does in your heart. And He said, it's just a little. But oh, friends, little is much when God is in it, ain't it? Little is so much when God has got His hands in it, friends. So this little maid, friends, was not defeated. As the Bible proclaims her being little, my friends, and don't let being little defeat you. Let it define you. Don't let little, let me say that again, don't let little defeat you, let it define you. She was little. Number two, tonight she loved much. She loved much. The Bible says, the Bible says in verse number two, they brought this little maid out of the captivity of the land of Israel. Notice that last phrase. And she waited on Naaman's wife. She waited on Naaman's wife. Um, I might preach right here just a minute. I won't be ugly, but she did her job. Hey, man. Hey, listen, she didn't bellyache and whine when she got there. Hey, man, and, and complain about being mistreated and who she was. You know what she did? She just served God. Amen. Hey, listen, she did her job and she praised God while she was doing it. Bless our heart if we get off our high horse sometimes, just do her job. That God might open the door where we're at. Amen. <laughs> but in doing her job, she saw Naaman's condition. I've, I've spent some time with this, and God's really helped me right here. I hope He'll help you. But you got to just put yourself there. And think about this little maid in the house and doing whatever the little maid did, whether she was cleaning. Hey, man, she didn't have a Dyson, so... Hey, man. Some of you don't know what a Dyson is. We're going to have to have some vocabulary words, hey, man. But she was cleaning. Hey man, it's a vacuum cleaner, preacher. Hey man. But, but she is cleaning, doing whatever she was. And you know, the maid's always up early in the morning doing her job. And I bet some days that she saw Naaman not trying to look purposefully. But I bet she saw him without his full robe on. I'm not being ugly, I'm just trying to put a, paint a picture here. And she saw him look. Down in his arms. She saw him look at the top of his hands, what he could keep covered most of the time when he was out in the world. And she saw him look with despair upon his sin-stricken body. And she saw sorrow in his heart because she was a godly little maid. 
And she saw this man, this honorable man, this man with position, uh, this man with power, uh, being, my friends, brought very low by his condition. She loved much. Didn't matter the estate that she was in. Didn't matter the position that she was in. You know, sometimes we think, well, if we could just get in that position, I could do more. No, you can do exactly what you need to do where you're at. Amen? You can do all that God has for you if you'll just do it right where you're at and let Him change your position, okay? Amen? But she, she, she just did her job. She, 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 she loved God. Amen? But she saw not only the sorrow but she saw these sores growing more every day. Because if you study leprosy, it's not just a, you know, just a disease that gets on you and stays the same. It's a disease that grows and grows and grows and it's not dealt with. It will take your life. I, I've read that, amen? And I understand that she was seeing this progression on him. She was seeing the progression not only of his sores, but she was seeing the progression of his sorrow that his days were numbered. <laughs> you know, there was no medicine, with no doctor. And this little maid knew the only thing that could cure it was to get this man around God. She knew that in her heart. You know, I, I, just, I just want to be real with you tonight. We probably got some loved ones that we're watching do that very same thing right now. We've probably got some, some mamas and daddies, some in-laws and some outlaws. Amen. Probably got some, some elderly folk around us that we're watching those sores grow greater and greater every day. And that sore is just simply sin. Amen. And it's fixing to lead them to the grave. And not only to the grave, but a place called hell. My friends of everlasting fire in judgment. Where the Bible says the, the worm dieth not, the fire is not quenched, friends. And we're watching that day after day. And if your heart don't get sorrowful, then you need to get saved. She loved much. Regardless of the situation she was in, regardless of, uh, of the position that she was in, she just loved much. You say, preacher, how can that bring rejoicing? Hang on. Look at verse number 3. She said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. <laughs> she was little. She loved much, but you know what? She really longed for Naaman to be well. I'm telling you, friends, if there's ever a day that we need to be longing for our loved ones to get saved, amen, to get right with God, today's the day. I heard on the news a little while ago the first time in history in the United States of America, I'm not trying to bring you down, I'm just telling you the truth, the first time in United States history since the National Day of Prayer was instituted, we've got a president, amen, that omitted God out of everything that the National Day of Prayer had to do in the country. 
And what I'm saying to you when I say that tonight, again, not to bring you down, but listen, to make you realize, just like this little maid, she knows her days were numbered. She longed for Naaman to be well. She said this in verse number 3, and I've heard this said many times out of preachers, and I've often wondered where it come from, and I found it out when I began studying this a couple years ago, and I've really seen how God uses this now, and he says, or she says, there would God. You know, that was not just a statement from her mouth that come out of an empty heart. That was a statement that come out of a passionate individual that knew that God could heal this man if they could just get him there. Amen. She said, would God, would God make a way for us to get Him around the preaching of the cross? Would God give a way to get us under the sound teaching of the blood of Jesus Christ? Amen. Would God, she was passionate. She was passionate about the power of God. Do you know when people are rejoicing, they are passionate about the power of God? They are passionate about what God is doing, what He's done, and what He's going to do. Amen. Passionate. We're lacking that today, friends. And I realize today it's real easy to just get stagnant and just go through the motions. But you know what we need a renewal of on a daily basis? is passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. She longed. Friends, when I say she longed, I believe she went to bed with him on, his, on, her, on her mind and she woke up with him on her mind. There was not a day that went by that this little maid probably wasn't found as somewhere praying to Almighty God on His behalf. Not a day went by that she did not make intercession for Him. She was passionate. Nehemiah was passionate. Amen. Listen, those builders of the temple there, you study that, and I love to study it. They were passionate about the work of God. The Apostle Paul was passionate about preaching. Amen. She longed. She longed for God to do something. She longed for God to intervene in the situation. But let me show you something right here. This little maid had great faith because what she was longing God to do, Jesus reported Himself in Luke 4 and 27 that there was many lepers in the day of Elisha. But only one of them got healed. And so let's just back the wagon up just a minute. What she was longing for God to do had never been done before. What she had a passionate desire for, uh, Preacher Allen, she had never seen done herself. Hey, listen, you know what? I didn't grow up with them sitting on the car bumpers, rolling the windows up and having revival because the church was so full. They had to sit outside. I didn't grow up in that time. But you know what? I don't have to see it. I don't have to be their part of it. But I can believe that God can do it again. Amen. <laughs> she longed for something that never been done. She wasn't basing her belief on previous lepers being healed, but solely upon the mighty hand of God that was at work. (laughs) 
Well, we get hooked up with God like that. Man, just trusting in Him. Oh, God, would you do it again? No, God, would you just do it? I don't want God to do something He's done the other day. I want Him to do something fresh today. Amen. Something man can't take credit for. <laughs> Praise God. Look right here. Let's, let's move on. She longed for Him to be well. But I really like this part. So we look right here in verse number 3. And then it goes into verse number 4. She longed for him to be well. But in verse number 4, one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. Verse number 5, king of Syria finds out about it. And you know what this little maid did? And I'm going to explain it to you here in just the next few verses, but let me go ahead and give you the point. Amen. She was little. She loved much. She longed for Naaman to be well. She led a revolt against the condition of Naaman. Let me just explain something to you here. We all know, we, we've been to church long enough to know that leprosy is symbolic of sin in our life. It's incurable. Only God can fix that. Amen? Amen. And so, just to get right down where the rubber meets the road tonight, she led a revolt against sin. Little old maid. Didn't have nothing from the land of Israel. Friends, tonight, you know what she was able to do through believing in God and her faith in God and trusting in a big mighty hand of God to do something that He ain't never done in her lifetime, friends. Hey, she got the king of Syria's attention. Let me tell you how she did it. There was a burden on her heart. She shared that burden. And in turn, that burden was shared to Naaman. And you know what she did to Naaman? Hey man, she didn't run Naaman in the ground. She gave Naaman hope of healing. He didn't let that thing pass off, did he? He knew, listen friends, his, his days of being a captain of the host or doing anything was just about over. And when somebody spoke a little bit of peace and joy into his ear that landed down in his heart that there was a hope that he could be better, my friends, he was all ears. And you don't think today that they ain't some hurting people in this world, friends, that ain't sitting in here that's out there tonight, uh, friends, uh, that would love to hear some faith like that, to love to see uh, some people that's little like that with a big love and a big faith to speak that kind into their heart. <laughs> oh, my church, she led a revolt against sin. Hell trembled when that little maid come in to Israel. It trembled when she got on her hands and knees before a thrice holy God and began to cry out to heaven on this leper's behalf. Amen. Hell ain't trembling enough today, friends. It ain't trembling enough today. Look at it with me if you will. My friends, the king of Syria, he got word of this. And, and look at what he said in verse number 5. Go. When, when, when she spoke of getting Naaman over to this preacher, 
Amen. That could get him in touch with God. One that could help him. You know what that Syrian king said? That man that was rising to power day after day after day. Amen. You know what he said? Send him. And he didn't say it lightly either. If you study the text out right there, my friends, you can see the enthusiasm. And man, you just got to get the Holy Ghost in your heart to see the enthusiasm in this man's heart to know, listen, that there was healing for one he longed to be well too. You know the lost world longs to be well? They just don't know how to get there. And all the world's telling them to do is turn their back on Jesus and they're taking it lock, stock, and barrel and believing everything that they say. Don't go to church. Don't be where you're singing. Don't, we don't want none of that. That's foolishness, friends. That's the only thing that's going to give us help in this day. <laughs> that Syrian king was all ears. But I want you to notice something right here. The only one that was unsupportive of Naaman coming there to the king of Israel and getting there in Samaria there with Elisha where he could get some help. The only one that was unsupportive of this decision was not the lost world. It was God's people. This really broke my heart. I'm not being ugly. Y'all Y'all are wonderful. I'm just telling you the truth tonight. Man, I'll tell you, we live in a Laodicean church age. Hey, man, listen, we understand today that our greatest enemy is not the world, amen, but it's this foolishness that people cause church today. I'm not, listen, I, I am all for people that's preaching and teaching the gospel, but I am not for uh, this garbage, amen, uh, that's totally against uh, what that Bible says, what the Holy Ghost says. I ain't for it, honey. And we come here to the King of Israel, amen, which is supposed to be God's people. We know they wouldn't. But it's just a picture and an image just to show you of what's called the church today is what was hindering Naaman at this point. Because the letter gets to the king of Israel. Amen. And it should have been a blessing to him if you study out the history. They were at one time actually starting to look the same way. Over a very good issue too. But it was the Israel, the, 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 the God's people that turned and looked away. We don't want Him down here. You know what they did? They just overthought it. He just overthought it. And just didn't let God do what God wanted to do. He just overthought. You know what we're guilty of today is we're overthinking things. Amen. Get a, a good, a, a real good case of the I can'ts. A good amen ain't going to work. That won't work. We can't do that. Amen. And you know that'll cause a problem. That'll cause an issue. Amen. Just get in and go for God. Amen. But thank God, there's an old time preacher. They heard all the commotion. Amen. Saw that the king had rent his, clo man, uh, rent his clothes there. Amen. And, and heard all the commotion. Say, bring him on. Let him come on down here. Let him come on down here. He'll see that there's a, there's a God in Israel. There's a prophet. There's a preacher down here that can help him. Tell him to come on. Thank God for old time men of God. That ain't afraid of sinners. 
Amen. Thank God for old time preaching. Thank God for old time singing. Thank God, amen, for old time Holy Ghost shouting and getting right with God. Amen. That'll overcome this mess of the world. Amen. Elisha said, just come on. Just bring him on down here. And I just want to show you something right here. I'm about done. So we see in the course of events, word gets back to Naaman. Amen. Verse number 9, look at it with me if you will tonight. Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of Elisha. I can't help but think of this. Y'all just don't write me off. I ain't too carnal. Naaman had a pride issue. Beyond his leprosy, he had a greater issue. He had a pride issue and he had an idolatry issue. Amen? This is the reason God does what he does, but just picture, if you will, in verse number 9. This will help you. I promise it will help you. He rolls up with his horses and his chariot. Now, Naaman ain't, ain't hauling an army, okay? Brother Stan put it this way. He rolled up in his F-350, King Ranch Edition. I don't even know if that's right. Is that a Ford? I don't mess with them. Brother Ricky, is that a Ford? Amen. But his F-350, King Ranch Edition, power stroke, amen, factory 35-inch wheels shined up to the brim, amen, and opens the door and a little step rolls out, amen, and he steps out, amen, to a little preacher's yard that probably ain't been mowed in three months, amen, because he's too busy preaching the gospel everywhere, amen, and he's given out. And Naaman rolls up, amen, expecting great pomp and splendor and he don't even get to talk to the preacher because the Bible says in verse number 10 Elisha didn't even come out the house he sent his servant out there amen so here comes the servant out there I'm trying to help you tonight wading through the grass up to his knees gets out there amen looks up at Naaman he said, the preacher said, for you to go down there to the Jordan and wash seven times and come back and you'll be clean. And Naaman's down there scratching his head. Just like you and I would be, amen, when somebody says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I remember the first time that I heard that, I probably looked a lot like Naaman. I too had been watching Benny Hinn. I too had been watching the IBN network, amen. I too had been watching uh, them old preachers, amen, that call themselves preachers and put up the big show and, and come up there and, and, and give them that touch from God and everything just stops and they get gloriously made whole. Naaman's a little upset that didn't happen to him. You look in your Bible, you'll find that the Bible says that he became angry. Uh, listen, in verse number 11, and he went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. <laughs> Think about it just for a minute. He was upset about the whole deal. He said, you may not have come all this way for that. 
Listen, I'm telling you, this little maid stirred something up that only God can fix. Don't get nervous when this kind goes to happening. Don't get mad when them sinners come into church and get mad because they don't get what they think they need. Don't get mad. Listen, friends, just stay the course. Amen. Hey, just stay with God. Just keep praying. Amen. Because something good's fixing to happen right here. It's Naaman. He's upset. He's upset. He, he's thinking about Jordan River. He said, man, I just crossed that thing. He said, do you know how nasty and muddy that river is? I'll get my clothes dirty if I get down in there. He said, I'll get the seat in my chariot messed up if I get down in that. Amen. Just, I'm trying to help you think about this just for a minute. He goes to thinking about home. The rivers of Damascus. You read it there in the text. Amen. You, you read about those rivers in the text. And I invite you to spend some time there and go read about those rivers. The Abana and the Farpar rivers of Damascus. Probably uh, uh, history tells us and geography tells us some of the purest, cleanest water. And all of Asia Minor, they come out of the mountains there. And we know that those rivers that come out of the mountains, friends, they ain't stagnant. They ain't full of dirt and grime like the Jordan River as it flows through the valley and everything flows into it. He was thinking, well, I could just go back to the house and do this and it'd be a whole lot cleaner and a whole lot better. Let me give you something here tonight. What happened right here what happened right here to Naaman is that Naaman was led to Calvary. Calvary, friends, is not a pretty sight to a sinner. It is to one that's been saved. But friends, it ain't a pretty sight to a sinner. Amen. Hey, listen, it's disturbing. Because it's a place of death. It's a place of bloodshed. And friends, it's supposed to be disturbing. I remember the first time that I heard about Calvary. I thought the very same way. And friends, you've got to understand, hey, that it's not as appealing to the lost world as it is to us that is saved. It's the power of God, friend. But to them, it's foolishness. That's why you got Bible versions that removes the blood out of them. That's why you got preaching that does not speak of the blood of Jesus Christ, friends, as the atonement for our souls. Because it's disturbing. This little maid's burden led Naaman to Calvary. Naaman, through the servant of the Lord, was told to go seven times. Seven times down to the river. Well, in, in, in the number numerology of the Bible, that word number seven means completeness or perfectness. So get this. He was told to go to Calvary not once, amen, and be disturbed. Not twice and be discouraged. Amen. Not three times. And listen, be distraught about what's going on there, but go seven times and be delivered, friends. Go, listen, and go and get with God until, listen, the blood is for you, friend. <laughs> Naaman got born again. Look at verse 14. After 
he was convinced to go by his servants, by those that was with him there, brought him down to earth. By the way, that's us. Those that encourage and cling to the truth. But in verse 14, the Bible says, Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. All because that little maid loved God. I'll talk to you just, just for a minute here, and I'm done. The recipe for rejoicing. Look at verse 15 real quick with me. Bible says in verse 15, this man that was just not too long ago dying in his sin, on his way to hell, aggravated about the way to get right. Everybody okay? It's coming now to the man of God to thank him. Don't tell me that when Paul said, any man being Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He had no part with Elisha before this. Amen. He's so aggravated, Elisha wouldn't even come out and talk to him. But you know what? When you get born again, you ain't worried about everything of the past. You ain't worried about how this one done you wrong and how that one's doing you wrong and what this one's done and what that one's doing. Amen. You know what you want to do? You just want to go rejoice. You just want to go rejoice. The Bible says, He returned to the man of God. Can I have a musician preacher? Is it okay? I got a story about that and it really helps me every time I read this passage of Scripture. I was, many years ago, not too many, but it's been a few, we had a revival in a church I was pastoring. And man, God met with us that week like I ain't never seen. I mean, it was tremendous. Tremendous. I thought, man, God's going to turn this thing around. Nineteen people walked the aisle in three days and got saved. They got saved. Sunday school teachers, deacons, choir leader, musicians. I mean, balling. Getting in the altar. And God was moving. I remember going up on the hill behind my house Sunday after church. He was over Sunday morning. We went Friday through Sunday morning. Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Yeah, you want to talk about getting out of your comfort zone? Try that. But God met with us in a mighty way. And I remember going up on my house, uh, up on the hill behind my house, and just thanking God for what He did. Just thanking God for what He did. My little wife, I come back to the house and she put it on my heart. She said, you need to start calling these people. That's my associate pastor over there. She said, we, you need to start calling these people. And I did. And you know, to my discouragement, and I, to this day I can't figure out what went wrong. 
One by one, they started dropping out. Eighteen of them. Eighteen of them. Told me, preacher, it's just an emotional. I got saved such and such day. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost was so real in that place that week. Eighteen of them dropped out on me. That next Sunday morning, I did what any preacher would do. You need to join the church. Even after they told me, I said, well, God, it's just you. You're going to have to do it. I can't do it. I can't make them come. One fella, that Sunday morning, stepped out from the back row, came there and joined the church that morning. Out of 19, one fella. And I'll tell you what God did with that one fella in my life. I was discouraged and broken down because of all them people that had turned their back on God. You say, preacher, they get saved. I know they did if they came down and did what they were supposed to do. Hey, man, I'm telling you, it was one of them times when the Holy Ghost was surreal. Hey, man, hey, listen, there wasn't no way anybody could get around to them. People was just moving. I mean, you look around this one over here, and that one over there, amen. And every service, amen. Hey, listen, if God spoke to your heart tonight, and you trusted Him, and you gave your life to Him, and you got saved tonight, would you just testify to it by raising your hand? I know that ain't the right way to do it, but I didn't have no help, okay? And then we asked them to come forward. Make it public. Every one of them came forward every night. Sunday morning's 19 of them. But that, to make a long story short, this one fella stayed the course with me. Every time my church doors was open, man, he was there, Brother Stan. We're tractor pulling buddies. Man, there's a big tractor pull one weekend. Actually, it was the weekend of the revival. And he missed it to be at church. He actually got saved that night. It was the night he got saved. Amen. And other times, listen, and, and I told him, I said, look, I said, you're serious about serving God and, and you want to grow in the Lord? I said, I want to meet with you and take my Bible and personally disciple you and help you grow in the Lord. And we started that. I go to his house every Tuesday night. Get there about 7, 7.30. Amen. And, and I spent month after month with him. But the first month, I'm talking about the recipe for rejoicing now. The first month that I met with him, we was going through and we started in 1 John. And man, we was talking about sin and, and, and how that thing's going to wreck our life and how Christ has saved us from our sin, but we got to turn to Him. And we got to give it all to Him and, and we got to grow in the Lord. And, and uh, so like the third Tuesday night, we, we, covered, we covered alcohol. We covered all those sins, you know, those hidden things sometimes we try to hide from people amen when they're new and he didn't say a thing to me <laughs> but uh, next Tuesday night I came in there and he just wasn't as flamboyant about discipleship as he normally was we went on and about an hour and a half we stopped and prayed and he said preacher I gotta tell you something said, go ahead he said there's beer in my refrigerator in I said, okay. He says, I can't get rid of it. 
He says, I just, it's my comfort. I said, I just, it has been for, for a while and it's just my comfort. I can't get rid of it. I said, that's between you and God. I said, you really want to grow in Him, you'll let go of that thing. You'll let go of that. If, you really, if He's in your heart and you're born again, amen, and you really want to grow, you'll, you'll turn loose of that. I said, and you know what, that preacher, that didn't bother me a bit. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel no less of the presence of God in our discipleship meeting that night. Actually, I felt more when he come clean with it. That week, I'm talking about rejoicing now. I'm talking about having revival. That week, I was on a little job. We was uh, burning a brush pile. Man, you want to draw a crowd, just light something on fire. Hey, man, man they come from everywhere stand. But I had this one hid pretty good, and, and uh, he was a fireman. I told him, I said, look, I said, just tell him I'm going to do this and come over here and, and hang out with me for a little while. He came over there, his old Ford pickup, he backed up, and we was uh, talking, talking about church, and just talking about things, amen. And I had that fire rolling good, man, I tell you, it was nice and too. He backed his truck up there, and throwed his tailgate down. He said, watch this, preacher. He had a cooler right there. Throw that thing's full of beer. He said, that was everything that was in my refrigerator. It ain't supposed to be there. He said, I'm going to give that thing to God. <laughs> you talk about rejoicing, friend. Hey, man, listen. I ain't never been so tickled about what God was doing in a sinner's life than that night right there. I wasn't in church at the time. I was just with one of his children that was getting right with him. And I said all that to say this. Old Naaman returned back to the preacher. But you don't read it in the text. But you just got to take it. He also went back home. And who was at home? That little old maid. That little old maid loved God. That little old maid that longed for him to get well. That little old maid that prayed for him day in and day out. She sees Naaman come walking in the door. My Lord, you look different. You look different. She looked at his hands. His hands wasn't stained. I listen, with that awful curse anymore. Hey, he was made clean. You want to talk about rejoicing? I can't be animated enough for you to feel it. You just got to believe it. It got on that night at Naaman's house. Friends, I want you to know something. If Jesus records what was done in Naaman's life, just know where Jesus is, or just know where Naaman is at today. My friends, not only did he rejoice when he got back to his physical home, but don't you know he rejoiced? Hey Amen. When he stepped in through the portal of glory. Don't you know that, friends, uh, listen, when everything got made right here, uh, friends, uh, his days were no longer numbered uh, to die and go to hell, uh, but his days were just started adding then. Hey, listen, to live for God and one day live forever with Him. You want the recipe for rejoicing? Get little. Just love. See, preacher, I, I can't get those, but just love them. 
Just lo love them enough that you'll give your time and pray for them. Get a passion about their soul. I'm talking about just like on a dry, hot, thirsty day when you're so thirsty and you're longing for a drink of water, get that kind of passion for that soul. And I promise you this, you'll rejoice. You'll rejoice.